Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, I do want to welcome everybody who's here, everybody who's watching online as well. I know we have a few hundred people that watch each and every Sunday, so we're glad that you've joined us. And today we're launching into this brand new series called Margins. And I'm super excited about this because this is something that's really applicable to all of us. It's this whole idea of creating some space, some breathing room in your life. Now, something I've learned in all my years of living here on earth is that different people, based merely on personality or upbringing, have different tolerance levels when it comes to clutter. Can I hear an amen? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I mean, you know. Some people, they're just cool. They're fine with a little mess here and there, right? It doesn't, doesn't really bother them. Uh, they, they can deal with that. Uh, and my goal, by the way, in this is not to judge anybody, okay? I'm not trying to start a civil war in your home this afternoon. All I'm doing is stating what you already know, that some people, they're okay leaving a few things out here and there. In fact, those people oftentimes don't even know they're doing it. And other people, they're always scanning, looking for messes, right? And they just can't handle it. Well, Different people have different clutter level, comfort levels, whatever you want to call it. And I'd say that that's okay, but, but here's the deal. For your attic or the trunk of your car or your closet to look something like this is one thing. And <laughs> some people are actually wincing. They're like, I just wrecked some of your days just looking, just looking at this mess. And other people are like, hey, who cares? What's the big deal? Well, for your attic or your closet to look like this, okay, that's fine. God created us all different, whatever. But in this series, I'm going to make the point that it's not okay for your life to look this way. I mean, it's not okay for your schedules, your finances, your relationships, when there's just absolutely no breathing room, when it's absolute chaos. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, it's not good when you've squeezed everything into your budget so tight that there are no discretionary dollars, right? There's no room for financial error. It's not good for your relationships when everybody's just running like crazy and your schedule is so crammed full that you don't enjoy the stuff you're doing, your kids don't enjoy the stuff you're doing, and everybody's running a hundred different ways. And believe it or not, God actually has something to say about this in his word. And this is kind of funny to me. People who are comfortable with a bit of a mess, they often say, well, I know where everything is, right? Right? I know where everything is, and I understand that, but it's no fun to watch somebody who is so stressed out over their schedule or their finances that their relationships begin to deteriorate. I mean, it's no fun when moms and dads are driving their kids to this event and that event and that activity because they feel like they need to be involved in all this stuff, and then at some point they wake up and realize, I don't have much of a relationship with my kids. And so this claustrophobic sense of how we do our schedules and how we manage our money and our finances, you know, that's got to be addressed, okay, when there's no margin. And we're going to talk about this because at the end of the day, I would say that life is better in the margins. Life is better when there's space. Now, what does margin mean? Well, margin, first of all, it means you don't have to drive 80 miles per hour every place you go because you're going to get places a little bit early. Margin means you actually have time to talk to the people in your family. Margin means you you have dinners together. You have meals together around the table. 
Margin means you got money at the end of your month. Margin means you actually enjoy the stuff you're doing because you're not doing everything you could be doing and you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Margin means that you can come to church or you can watch online and actually focus. Margin means that you can pray and focus because your mind's not distracted by all the stuff that's crammed into your schedule that's just out there waiting for you to do. And for the sake of clarity, let me give you a definition of margins right up front here. Margin is the space between our current pace and our limits. So margin is the distance, the space between our current pace with our schedules, our finances, our relationships, and our limits. And folks, everybody has limits. And I know this is the thing that some of you are going to push back on during this series. I understand that. I mean, you may have incredible capacity. I mean, you may have three times the capacity that I have. But if you live your life at the limit, at some point you quit enjoying life. If you live your life at the limits, you quit enjoying life. In your attempt to get the most out of life, you lose control of your life. And you trade peace for progress. You trade peace for prosperity. But for you to enjoy this one life that God has given you, you need margin. And let me just up front here walk you through a few things that happen when there is no margin in life. First of all, and I think you know this, the stress levels go up. Right, the stress levels just build, and it's true in every area of life. Here comes another bill. Here comes some end-of-the-year stuff I wasn't expecting. Or you're running late to everything you go to because you've crammed so much in your schedule. I mean, there's just stress when there's no space in life. Another thing that happens is our focus narrows. Okay, when there's no margin in life, you become so focused on that area where there is no margin that you lose awareness of everything else that's going on. And I know there are seasons of life when you need to be extraordinarily focused. But if you live your entire life that way, you end up realizing that you're neglecting the things that are most important. And at some point in time, you're going to look back and go, ooh. And so consequently, another thing that happens is our relationships suffer. And it's like, Mom, you're always on the phone. Dad, you're always on the computer. I mean, all you guys ever talk about or argue about is money. I feel like we're doing all these things, but I'm not enjoying anything we're doing here. You know, I don't like to come home. I don't want to talk to you about that. See, ultimately, our relationships suffer. And that's a big price to pay when your relationships begin to suffer. And folks, this isn't new. This isn't even a Christian thing, is it? This is just a people thing. When there's no space in life, when your closet begins to look a little bit like the messy one on the left and not the one on the right, stress is going to go up. Your focus is going to narrow, you're going to miss things, and your relationships are going to suffer. Now, that brings us to the question, why do we even do this? You ever stop to think about that? Why do we do this? Now, you may say, well, it's just the nature of my job, just the nature of my business, my industry. And that could be a part of it. Or you say, well, it's just the season of life I'm in right now. Okay, that could be a part of it. Some of you may be so transparent as to say, honestly, I think part of my problem, you know, financially, my schedule, my relationships, why they're so cluttered is because I lack discipline. Okay, I think discipline is a part of it. But I'm going to tell you, I think there's something more fundamental that drives this for many of us. And if we would just embrace this real driving force behind a lot of it, we would make progress. And until we do, we won't. So are you ready for this? A big part of what drives our pace and drives our schedules and drives our finances and drives our desire to make relationships efficient is fear. 
It's the opposite of faith. It's something called fear. Let's talk about what we fear. First of all, some of you fear missing out. You're afraid you're going to miss out, or you're afraid your kids are going to miss out, right? And that's why you've got them in all these activities and all the stuff that they're doing. Or maybe you're retired. you got more time than you've ever had, right? Your schedule's more flexible than ever. But you drive yourself crazy with all these activities. And if you were honest, there's a fear of, if I don't say yes, if I don't sign up, if I don't go, if I don't, if I don't, I'm going to miss out. There's a fear of missing out. Second, I think we may fear falling behind. That's true for a lot of people. They look around at what everybody else is doing, and they compare their lives to everybody else and what they drive, what they wear, where they vacation, how they spend their time. And there's just this fear of, you know, what if I, I fall behind? <laughs> maybe you need to ask the question, fall behind who? Or, or maybe you're not the one that's afraid of falling behind, but maybe you're married to someone who's afraid of falling behind. And they keep pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And finally, I think there could be a fear of not mattering. You know, there's something inside of all of us that wants our lives to count. Like when I'm gone, I want somebody to miss me. I want to have made a difference. And so for many of us, there's this fear of what if I don't even matter? And you know what we do? Then we equate busyness, doing things, spending, purchasing things. We equate that with success. We equate that with significance. But what if, what if we as Christians, as people who know and love God, were willing to step back and take a difficult and honest look at what drives our schedules, our finances, our relationships? Because I think if we're honest, this lack of margin and the fears behind that, they crowd out what is most important in life. And you know what that is? It's very simple. God and people. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing, God and people, knowing and loving God, knowing and loving people. And let me tell you something. Here's something very, very important to understand. This is a faith issue. The issue is how much do I really trust that God knows me? How much do I really trust that God cares about me as an individual? All that we're talking about here, it's a faith issue. And that brings us to what God has to say about this whole subject. And this morning, what I want to do as we get a kind of overview is to go all the way back in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel. Okay, in the beginnings of the nation of Israel, you may remember they're in Egypt, they're in slavery, they were all slaves. Everybody who followed Moses out of Egypt and into the promised land, they were used to a life of slavery. So God, he brings them into this brand new land, and what he's got to do, he's got to, he's got to set up some new laws, some new rules, because all they knew were slave rules. Now, I think most of us in this room are familiar with the Ten Commandments, okay? Well, the Old Testament has way, way more than Ten Commandments. There were over 600 laws that God gave to his people. You say, why so many? Well, God, he's establishing a brand new society with new values, new ways of thinking, new ways of living and doing life. And so he has to renew their minds regarding everything. And when God gave them these new laws, this is important, God built margin into their society. This is so fascinating to me as I studied this. God gets to establish a system for doing life, and he builds margin into the society. And one of the ways he did this, made the top 10 list, it's known as the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Now, here's the problem. When we think of Sabbath, when we hear Sabbath, like we're so familiar with that concept we go, yeah, I, I, I get Saturday and Sunday off. I'm not just Saturday. I, I get a two-day weekend. It's commonplace for us. 
But here's what's difficult for us to understand. It was something else for them. The whole idea of taking a day off, an entire day, and doing no work, completely foreign to them. In fact, they would think it's downright dangerous. I mean, this is pre-refrigeration. If you don't work, you may not eat. And so God says to this brand new nation who understands 24-7 work, right? You wake up, you work, you go to bed. You wake up, you work, you go to bed. Rinse and repeat. It's over and over. I mean, you just work, work, work. That was the culture they grew up in. That's what they lived in, all right? So try to imagine God saying to them, okay, one of my top rules for you is this. Thou shalt taketh a dayeth offeth. That's it. It's the closest I could get to the original language, right? And you got to love a God, don't you? Where one of the first things out of his mouth is, hey, take a day off. It's amazing. But again, we're so accustomed to this that what do we do? Of course you take a day off. But let's think about this. Let's put ourselves in their shoes. First of all, why did God do that? Well, I think he knows how we're wired, like we need that breathing room. But there's something else going on here. God was using the Sabbath to teach his people to trust him. That's what's going on. Like, what what if it doesn't all get done? Trust me. What if I'm not finished? Trust me. What if there are crops out there that we got to bring in? Trust me. What if, what if, what if? God is saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. See, the Sabbath is an expression of faith. You know, Jesus said some interesting things about the Sabbath. In Mark 2.27, he said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. See, people weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for people. God gave the Sabbath as a gift to mankind. Now, the other thing God instituted was known as the tithe. And this is not a message on giving, so you guys can just take a deep breath right now. Go ahead, it's all right. But in that Hebrew culture, they were expected to take some money and and, and set it aside for the religious system. So that meant that every Hebrew family member, right, they, they knew this. They knew that just because the money comes in doesn't mean we just get to spend it. We don't spend everything that comes in because we're going to give a tithe. We're going to give 10% to the temple. And then we're going to give some additional funds to help out with the poor in our society. And so visibly, there was this reminder. There was this money that would sit in a jar or in a box in their home that they could not or would not or should not spend. So God built into the ancient Hebrew mindset this concept of financial margin. Like, just because it comes in doesn't mean we get to spend all of it. Then finally, there's a third thing. It's the law of gleaning. Let me explain this to you. I want you to imagine living in a culture where it was kind of a hand-to-mouth culture. Like, you can't preserve things for very long, and everybody by our standards would be considered way, way poor. Like, you need everything you can possibly get. So you're a farmer, and the way you make your money is by selling crops. And by the way, these aren't giant fields. These would be small fields. They were run by just a few people. And here's what God institutes for the Jewish people. Leviticus 19.9. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Okay, the gleanings, that was a term for the fruit or whatever you were harvesting that fell to the ground and it was still good to eat. It was still good stuff. But God says, if it falls down there, don't pick it up, okay? 
And don't go all the way to the edge. Don't glean to the edge of your field. And then God says this in Leviticus 19.10, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. So once you go through and pick up those grapes, if you miss some, you don't go back a second time. Wait, 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 that's money I'm leaving on the table. That's mine. I mean, what if, what if? God says, no, you don't go back a second time and you don't take it to the limit. You leave it there for the poor. And then listen to how he finishes this whole law. At the very end, he says, I am the Lord your God. Thank you. It's like, huh? Did we just change subjects here? Is this a new paragraph? I mean, what? Do you know what he meant by that? He said, all this stuff I've told you, don't forget, I am Lord. I'm in charge. I can take care of you. Here's the principle. I wrote this down. I don't want you to take everything to the limit. I want there to be space. And in the space, I want you to know that I, God, will take care of you. There's the principle. Listen to how God said it in Deuteronomy 24, 19. He said, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Wait, what? Now, we need to go over the fields like three times and get everything that belongs to us. God says, that's not how it works. I want you to, stay, to just take a step back and, and trust. Take a step back. Don't take it to the limit because you need to learn that I'm the one who's going to provide for you. Now, if that wasn't enough, Jesus rolls around hundreds and hundreds of years later, and guess what he does? He repeats the same principle for all of us here today. And when you read this, when you hear this, you know, some of you are going to think, oh, that, that just doesn't work in the 21st century. Or that doesn't work in my family, doesn't work with my finances, doesn't work in my job. And Jesus doesn't say, I'm against hard work. I'm against setting goals. That's not what he means here. He's saying, when you find yourself getting to the limits, perhaps it's being driven by fear. And if you're afraid, I want you to step back and say, can I trust God in this gap? Can I trust God in the margin? So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31 to 32. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And then he says something I think is the issue. Every time we get tensed up, what if we don't do this? What if I miss out? He says in verse 32, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows people. Your heavenly Father knows that you want your kids to max out their potential. Your heavenly Father knows you want your kids to do their best and get into good schools. Your heavenly Father knows that you need to eat and live indoors. Your heavenly Father knows the stress that you have in your job. And what if we just believed that our heavenly Father really knows all that? Like what would happen to the fears? Oh, what if I miss out? What if I fall behind? I have to make a difference, right? What if you just woke up every morning and said, God, you know that I know that I have limits and I need breathing room and there's a lot then that's not going to get done today. Like I am not going to take it to the edge of my field and there are going to be some grapes left on the ground. 
There's going to be some wheat that, that doesn't come in. And I'm just going to have to trust you that you know what I need. Imagine living a life with that kind of faith. Imagine what that would be like. That's exactly the kind of life your heavenly Father is inviting you into. And if you can learn that, if you can find that pace, there will be margin. And then he ends it with this, one of the most famous verses in all the New Testament, Matthew 6.33. But seek first, seek first something else. You ready? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here's what I know about you. Something or someone is going to determine the limits you live by. Because whether you want to admit it or not, you have limits. You have time limits. You have money limits. And you'll either allow the culture or your own fears to drive you to the limit of your limits, or you can trust that your heavenly Father loves you, and he will fill in the gap. And there's always a limit. At some point, you can't do anymore. You can't spend anymore. you got a choice. You can choose to live at the limit of your limits, in which case I think you won't enjoy life. You won't enjoy your relationships. You won't enjoy all the stuff you spent your money on. You won't enjoy what you're doing because you're doing too much. You can live that way. Or you can say, you know what? I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live with all these what-ifs anymore. I'm going to believe that God can take care of me. I'm going to decide to back off from my limits and trust God with my kids, trust God with my finances. Trust God with what other people may think about me. I'm not going to let fear or the expectations of others drive me to an unhealthy limit. And here's what you're saying. I'm not going to trade peace for progress. I'm not going to trade peace for prosperity. Now, I know that some of you may be arguing with me a little bit in your mind right now. So let me just say this, and I'll be done, okay? Listen, I know, okay? I've heard it all. This is the world I live in. Nobody calls me to say, hey, things are going great, just checking in. I don't get those kind of calls. Wish I did, but, you know, not really. I'm busy. Don't do that. But, you know, the calls I get, I live in, I do ministry. And I hear things. I see things. You know, I see men who didn't have the time to invest in their marriage because they were just too busy too much going on in their schedules until she decided to leave. And then all of a sudden, he's finding hours and hours and hours to try to save his marriage. And if he could talk to you right now, if I bring one of these guys up here, he would say, you know what? I wish I had invested that time years earlier. Those hours and hours I spent trying to save my marriage, I wish I had taken that time on the front end. But it took a crisis to get my attention. And I've talked to too many moms, too many dads who love, love, love their kids. They really do. But they were so busy working and trying to provide for their kids and give them the best stuff and they can go to the best schools that they kind of overlooked developing relationships like they should with their kids. They didn't have the time for that. And then one of their kids spun out of control and suddenly they're spending hours and hours and all kinds of money trying to rescue someone they genuinely love. And if they would come up here and tell you their story, you know what they'd say? They'd say, boy, I wish I could go back and invest all that time on the front end. I, mean, I didn't think I had it, but when things blew up, whew, I found the time. You know what people who are like 60 years or older would tell you in their wisdom? And they've told me this all the time. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back to when I was 30 or 40 or 50, and I would trade that progress. I would trade that prosperity for a little more peace. 
I wish I could go back and I would create some more margin because what I traded my margin for just wasn't worth it. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about your schedules. We're going to talk about your finances. We're going to talk about your relationships. And your homework between now and next week is simply to answer this question. Where do you need some margin? Where do you need some margin? I got a feeling some of you just did your homework assignment right here as soon as I put that up on the screen. Yeah. Hey, figure that out. And then next week we'll come back and we'll go after what God has to say to you specifically. Let me pray for you. Lord, I know for me personally, this series is very challenging. As kind of type A driven person, I look at my life and, and how I just, I love to squeeze out every ounce with my time, my money, my schedule, my relationships, and it's just not a great way to live. It's not what you set up for your people in the Old Testament, and as we're going to see, it's not what you have to say to us today in the New Testament. So God, speak to me, speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ here, and help us to identify the lies, the fears of missing out, and oh, I'm going to fall behind, and uh, maybe my life isn't going to matter unless I do something, do something, do something. God, would you help us to back up from that and just figure out where is it that we need some margin? Is it in our schedule? Is it in our finances, our relationships? Where is it that we need breathing room? And Lord, we're going to trust that your Holy Spirit's going to work, and, and I pray that for all of us, myself included, we would come out of this series having studied your word and your truth and be different people with different priorities so that we won't get to the end of our lives and look back and say, mm, what if? I, I wish I had done this. God, protect us from that. And regardless of where we're at, maybe we're in our 60s, 70s, or 80s, there's still truth. There's still lessons to be learned. We can still learn from your word. So we love you, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us the power to do all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, figure out that question where you need margin, and we'll see you next week.